We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, Tyler here. When you're Chinese like me, you don't have a lot to work with, if you know what I mean. Like the game of football, every inch matters. That's why I use the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 to trim my Darren Sproles. It's a great tool to clear up all your AstroTurf. Maybe you can trim it down to look like a field goal post. That way, if Michael Badgley ever tries to kick you, he'll miss every time. Use the code GUILTY at checkout on manscaped.com to receive 20% off your next order. Enjoy the ride. One. All right, now we will go live. Hey guys, what is up? Welcome to our second live show. Uh, we'll wait and, and see, let, let some people follow in here. Um, but have to mention, you know, just first and foremost, thanks for tuning in. And uh, we're, we can't wait to get some uh, content coming out to you guys. Like I said in the in the comment that is pinned on our screen, uh, we're going to talk about some things first, and then uh, we'll we'll take some questions later on. So we'll talk about obviously the Hunter Henry thing, Denzel Perryman leaving, uh, lots of changes coming to the Chargers. But I think the first place that we should start here uh, really is the Hunter Henry uh, departure and how that kind of affects things. So. I was pretty surprised that when uh, Hunter Henry was signed with the Patriots, especially after they had signed Johnny Smith. Um, Alex, we'll start with you. Uh, what was your initial reaction to Hunter Henry signing with the New England Patriots? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I predicted that he wasn't coming back to the Chargers uh, prior to free agency, but 
I was just like, it, it was shocking to me that they, they spent $12.5 on John New Smith and then $12.5 on Hunter Henry. Um, not exactly how I would have chosen to spend that money, but okay. Right. Um, and, you know, throughout their first two days of free agency, they spent $45 million combined on Aguilar, Bourne, Henry, and John New Smith. Um, which is not to say I don't like those guys. It's just like, I don't know if that was the best way to use money, but whatever. Um, I think it's definitely a loss for the Chargers, uh, like I wrote about today, but I had just been hedging on the idea of paying Hunter Henry a lot of money, um, 12.5 to 13 million for a guy who suffered some injuries, for a guy who, you know, with the tight end, it's really thin around the league. And unless you have one of three guys, who in my opinion, it's Kelsey, Kittle, and Waller, you don't really have a true difference maker. And I think that you can kind of replace a Henry with an Ertz. Yeah. I think you can replace a Henry with a Rudolph and not experience too much drop off. Um, so for the 12 and a half to 13 million he wanted, I just never thought it was that worth it to pay him. Uh, I think it's a loss for the Chargers in the short term. And obviously, I think it would have been preferable to keep one of Justin Herbert's uh, options that he's familiar with. But to me, replacing Hunter Henry like isn't that hard. Um, I think that you can get something, someone good, and you know replace him. I don't think he's one of the tight ends that I put in the real top tier. You know, you can say he's top five or top ten, but to me, there's really only three special uh, tight ends in the league that you know teams will have a really difficult time replacing. Yeah, and that's kind of key there. You know, Hunter Henry. If we're being honest, I know this isn't a great comparison, but he's kind of like Melvin Gordon, where he's injury-bitten for many years, but not exactly the highest production, where his floor is pretty solid, but his ceiling is never really that high. And Gordon, at most, was was solid, but he never had those like McCaffrey or Cook <laughs> or Kamara kind of years. Yeah. You know, Hunter Henry isn't like that. And of course, what did they do? You know, they, they made him... Well, I don't know what they if they offered Henry anything, but they made Gordon you know, a low offer of what they thought was fair. Gordon didn't take it and he moved on. Uh, we don't know if they offered Henry anything. I assume they probably did. Yeah. Um, but, but it's clear that, you know, that Telesco and Staley just didn't value him at this price because the price tag wasn't really that excessive. This is a little more than, you know, what like a spot rack would have guessed, but it wasn't like, you know, 14 million like we were thinking when John right. Smith signed, we figured, oh boy, he's going to be signing for, you know, 13, 14 perhaps. So, you know, plenty of guaranteed money. I think Daniel Popper referenced that, that the guarantee that he got was like 60-something percent yeah. of the entire contract. So it's clear that they really wanted him. And, you know, getting 60, you know, between 60 and 70 percent of your contract guaranteed is is incredible. So my question was, what was the plan with Hunter Henry then? And was this more Staley driven? Because, you know, last season they tag him. And what was your purpose? What was your plan after that year? Because... Last year, when they tagged him, their goal was to, like, what, win a championship with Tyrod Taylor and then move on? Like, what was the plan there? So, I actually think, I mean, and, and he had his best season, if not for COVID. Yeah. So, it's not like he underperformed and then they let him go. So, what was the plan then from Tele- from Telesco's standpoint last season? And did that change going into this season with Staley? And I think it did. And that goes back to your point. Um, in your research, Stephen, about the t- different kinds of tight ends that they had or that they're looking for, that these coaching staff has. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm really curious to see what... Or, well, we'll never know, I guess. Yeah. But I, I wish I knew what this plan was last year going into this year because 
all Henry did was kind of exceed expectations, minus the fact that he missed a couple of games, and they let him go for a price tag that was relatively fair. So I'm curious how much Staley's influence uh, was a part of this. Well, you also mentioned the um, you know uh, coaching staff potentially being the change. Something that I remembered that I thought was interesting was uh, Daniel Popper reported before the pandemic last year that they were relatively close uh, on an extension with Hunter Henry. Uh, and then the pandemic came and <laughs> that changed everything. Right. So, um, you know, I don't know if that was fully the reason, um, but that's something that I think is interesting to bring up in addition to the uh, coaching staffs. Yeah. So for those who are just joining us, uh, we are talking about Hunter Henry leaving and just kind of our initial reaction there. Um, to me, you know, like the coaching fit was just a little weird for me. You know, like I, I said in, in my research that I was looking up and, and all these coaches that the Chargers have compiled, they've all had, you know, these yards after catch guys. And then you look at, you know, pro football focus and advanced other VAD stats. And Hunter Henry, you know, is was 13th this year in yards after catch. And, it, and his yards per catch per reception average was not very good. And, and, you know, you look at like Gronk had a higher average in both of those departments. And it was just, it, it, it yeah, someone just commented that Henry was not explosive. And that's just been kind of the common thread here. So... I, the Patriots thing, man, like I, I'm, I was shocked honestly, because they're paying, you know, Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, a combined $25 million or $26 million, excuse me, um, to be their two tight ends. And then they paid, they paid Nelson Aguilar, like a number one right receiver. And then they paid Kendrick Bourne, like a number two receiver. So it's going to be interesting. The one thing I'll say though, like I don't know how much, you know, they're invested in Cam Newton long term. I don't know what their plan is there. But the easiest way f- for them to make things easier for Cam Newton is to give him two tight ends over the middle and and give him some big body targets that can take pressure off of him. And so they went and did that. I just didn't think they would do that, especially after they drafted two tight ends in the third round last year. So, you know, Jeez. Bill Belichick's spending spree this week has just been so weird to watch because they've never done this. And, you know, I, I was having this conversation in our in our Bolt Beat, Pat, Bolt Beat chat today, but it's like the man clearly did not like missing the playoffs. And, you know, they they were, you know, in contention right up until the last couple of weeks for the playoff hunt. Uh, and everybody's kind of, you know, throwing them under the bus and saying that they're not going to be a playoff team. I think they're going to be a playoff team next year. I really do. You know, if Cam's able to stay healthy and and they're able to get these pieces back on defense, I think Dante Hightower coming back from his opt-out is huge for them. Uh, Mm -hmm. We'll have to see what happens with, you know, Stephon Gilmore and J.C. Jackson and stuff like that. But, you know, I would expect the Patriots back in the playoff hunt. And uh, it it just was, was weird to see that spending spree this week. Yeah, and I guess the other thing I'll say uh, in regards to Hunter Henry is, like, I think it's clear he kind of wanted to leave and go to New England. Um, you know, people post that picture of Belichick hugging him at the end of the game. <laughs> um, but, you know, aside from that, you know, Belichick has known him since, you know, he was a kid through his coach. You know, so at that point, you know, if the Chargers had an offer that matched what the Patriots were giving him three years, 375 you know, and that's as about as high as I was willing to go for Henry, maybe four yeah. years, 50 at the most, basically what John Smith got. Uh, and that was as high as I was willing to go. And if he was like, hey, I want to go to New England and be with Belichick and that's what I want to do, then I don't think there's anything really that the Chargers could have done other than pay him so much money 
that you know he couldn't turn it down, which I just think is not a smart uh, thing to do when you're talking about a tight end like Henry. Yeah, I mean, and that's free agency. You know, they are unrestricted free agents for a reason. If John Johnson wanted to go to the Browns, which is hilarious, <laughs> saying that even, but if John Johnson wanted to go to the Browns and he did, that's where he went. You know, I, I saw a couple people on Twitter saying, "Oh, you know, the Chargers didn't do anything." Like, we don't, we don't really know that. We don't really know they didn't try to make some sort of offer. Yeah. If he wanted to go there, if Henry wanted to go play for the Patriots, which is understandable, you know, go for it. They certainly offered him enough money to to go there. Tons of guaranteed money, yeah. like Andrew said. Yeah, so, I mean, Daniel Popper was saying on his live stream yesterday that he thinks that they they probably offered him the Austin Hooper deal, um, which I think mm-hmm. was uh, four for 40 or something like that in that range. Um, so, I mean, like you said, we'll never know. Um, but I just think, you know, it, it wasn't really like a long-term fit. And so in, in, with, the new, with uh, the coaching change, what happened? Reddick to the Panthers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That was one of your guys, your last, your last remaining guys. Um, so one year deal for eight million. That's it. Uh, that's eight, eight million max. Oh my gosh! Uh, for a guy with uh, what? You Leonard got, Floyd 60 got sixty-five million dollars, and Reddick had a better season. What is Redick happening? Reddick had sixty-five pressures, thirteen sacks, thirty-four run stops. They just got him for eight million, one million, one year deal. What oh. in the world? That is oh, that doesn't make me happy. That is that is frustrating. That does not make any sense to me. Well, at least they have Mike Williams. Oh gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, well let, let, let's go back to the Hunter Henry thing because I think you know obviously you know we've got to talk about how they're going to replace him. Um, you know the the popular name and I'm I'm in favor of this. You know, depending on the cost, is Zach Ertz, right? Um, it was reported on Monday that the the Eagles were seeking out a third round pick. I'm not in favor of that. That is way too high for Zach Ertz. Um, and then the next day it came out that the Eagles had given uh, permission to Ertz to seek out a trade on his own. So to me, that says that, you know, the Eagles were not getting the kind of compensation that they are hoping for. And so um, to me, that means that they they could be looking at a lesser offer. Uh, but that is the latest on Zach Ertz. And then the other thing to mention as well here, he's not looking for a contract extension right away. Obviously, you know, that would kind of depend on the team and, and whether or not they have those those conversations. But, you know, you could theoretically only trade him, you know, trade a fifth round pick for one season of Zach Ertz uh, and then see what kind of development you get out of Donald Parham, out of uh, Steven Anderson, potentially, if you bring back and a rookie. So that's the options with Zach Ertz. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of shift this over to Alex because Alex is the resident Eagles fan here and, and Zach Ertz truther. Where do you stand on trading for Zach Ertz right now, especially knowing that you could potentially only be getting him for one season? Uh, and what kind of costs would you be giving up to get him? Um, I mean, that's the risk. But for me, I would be willing to give up a fourth or fifth round pick for him. I think that that's a reasonable range. Third is a little bit high for me. Then again, they do have the two compensatory. Uh, they have the compens- uh, compensatory third as well. Um I would probably go fourth as kind of my highest offer. I'm not sure the Eagles are going to get a deal for him. I know they've talked about that, but there were also reports prior to this week that they were considering just straight up releasing him. And if they were to do that, he would just be a free agent. Um, I would swing a deal for fourth round pick. I think if that's where you're talking about taking a tight end anyway, and you already have the two extra picks, 
what you could theoretically do is trade for Ertz, uh, and then, you know, you have Parham uh, and Anderson, and then presumably you could draft a tight end in, like, I don't know, the third round, the fifth round, whatever you want to do. Um, I think that that's a reasonable plan for tight end if you want to replace Hunter Henry. Um, if you don't want to give up any capital, then what you could do is sign Kyle Rudolph, right? That Then you don't have to trade a draft pick. You could go after Jared Cook, right? We talked about him. Uh, but for me, I just think Ertz is heads in kind of above what's available in free agency right now. While I like Kyle Rudolph, it's like Ertz is a three-time Pro Bowl or <laughs> Super Bowl champion before this year yeah. uh, when he had the worst quarterback play in the league uh, and, you know, was out for five games. So I just don't uh, – I think Zach Ertz is better than a lot of Chargers fans give him credit for. Uh, and I think that he's a very natural replacement for Hunter Henry. You can play him this year and then see where it goes. And in the meantime, still develop your parum, still develop your other guys. And you could probably still take a Tommy Tremble or, you know, Hunter Long, whatever you want to develop in the draft. The longer Telesco waits to sign other players, I don't mean big name players. I just mean depth guys. The further back, I want to give up a pick for Zach Ertz. Now, I like give I like the idea of giving up a late pick, a day three pick for Ertz. I just don't know about a fourth or even a fifth at this point because, A, I think there's going to be some good talent there anyway. And, B, this roster is pretty barren right now. We just saw two yeah. linebackers, Nick Vigil and Denzel Perryman, go elsewhere. And now you're, you might need that fifth-round pick. You might need both of those sixth-round picks. You might need – right now, Telesco needs to use and probably hit on most of his picks in this draft because there's a – there's a serious lack of talent and a serious lack of depth right now. And so if they can make a few more moves, now granted, if they make if they sign some players, they have less money. So trading for Ertz and gaining that contract isn't really great. But right now, if if they don't make if they don't get like a Troy Hill, they don't get a um, um Anthony Harris or something, you know, some of these not necessarily depth guys, but just some more players on their roster, yeah. then I would rather just kind of, you know, Take like a Kyle Rudolph instead and just save that pick for the help that they're going to need because they're going to need it. And the, the theme of their offseason meeting so far, aside from some of the bigger names like Redunes and Samuel, is looking for guys that can help both on special teams and, you know, do a certain like um, like running backs and DBs on day three. And you're just going to give that up now for Ertz when you, I, I don't know, I, I'm not really liking it so far. If Telesco can sign a few more guys, he can take on another contract. I know that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. But that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, no, I, I understand that completely because, you know, right now <laughs> there are a lot of holes on this roster, man. They don't really have any yeah. you know, linebacker depth whatsoever. I mean, unless you're really into like MK Eggboulay and uh, the kid from Army, I forget his name, Christiansen. Um, BJ Bello is still an under, is a, still a restricted free agent. So, and he was their best special teams player last year. Um, so I, I totally understand that. I, I think my preference right now. While I would be in favor of trading for Zach Ertz if it was an affordable cost, I think for me, I would prefer Kyle Rudolph and then, you know, drafting somebody like a Trey McKitty or a Kenny Yaboa or obviously the the dream right now in the draft is Tommy Tremble. Um, but, you know, Rudolph is a better blocker than Ertz. Um, he, I mean, they're probably equally as athletic at this point. You know, Kyle Rudolph had better uh, yards after catch numbers than Zach Ertz last year and the year before that. Um, obviously Zach Ertz in 2019 had way more targets and way more opportunities, but you know, in, in yards after catch per reception, Kyle Rudolph is, is the better player in, in that regard. And so you can probably get Rudolph for super cheap, you know, maybe like a two year, I don't know, like 12, $14 million deal. And, and then you don't have to give up a pick and worry about a Zach Ertz extension. And so I think my preference right now 
would be Kyle Rudolph and a uh, day three pick. I am not interested at all whatsoever in uh, Jared Cook. I do not want that to happen at all. Uh, the man looks completely zapped of any athleticism last year. Uh, just not into that idea. Other than that, I mentioned Mercedes Lewis today as a blocking tight end. That man is 37 years old and is probably the second best blocking tight end in the league from what I watched today on film. Uh, and then you can kind of you know deal with the receiving vacancy with Donald Parham, Steven Anderson, and another uh, you know potential rookie or something like that. But you know I would lean towards Rudolph and Mercedes Lewis at this point. Yeah, and you know people are saying in the chat <laughs> potentially Parham or Anderson as T one. Um, I, I like both of those guys. I've been high on the upside of Parham. I just don't think you can not go into next one. year. Yeah, not as tight end one. Like, if you want to put Parham as t- tight end two, you know, you upgrade him from tight end three to tight end two. I'm fine with that next year. Um, but I, yeah. I don't think you can go into day one. As much as I love Parham's physical attributes, you know, he he played, like, how many snaps last year? Not many. Um, and, you know, he came on for a couple snaps a game. Like, I just don't think you can elevate him. Uh, all the way to TE1 uh, by doing that. No, nor should they. Again, I repeat repeat this almost every episode, it feels like, but guys, it was 10 receptions. (laughs) And some of them were cool, but it was 10 receptions. While I'm thinking of underperforming and some fan hype, guys, Easton Stick threw four interceptions in the preseason (laughs) against three third stringers, okay? Please... Please oh, no. He had a passer rating of like 44. If that were Justin Herbert in the preseason, we would have never seen him the entire year if Tyra <laughs> Taylor was, wasn't stabbed. Like, Facts. If, he, if Justin Herbert Facts. went out and threw four interceptions against third stringers, we would have never seen him last year. And granted, you're asking for stick for a backup role, not the starting quarterback at the Los Angeles Chargers. But boy, we need let's pump the brakes, y'all. I know some of y'all are just having fun with it. And that's cool. I get it. I was a Bobby Holly guy, so I'm not going pre- you know, to judge you there. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's pump the brakes on that one. Speaking of underperforming chargers. Oh, man. The Easton stick thing. It, I'm not into it, man. I We just don't know enough. Like, that's the thing is, like, to me, you know, somebody said this to me that Justin Herbert doesn't need, like, the mental help of having a veteran quarterback. If you can't see the benefit of adding a veteran into a – into a quarterback room where your oldest quarterback is a third year quarterback and Easton stick is what 25, you know, to me, and especially with a coaching change, like Justin is going to have some questions that the coaches cannot all answer. Like he's going to have to lean on somebody, you know, and, and he's talked about how Tyrod has helped him have helped him last season with, with everything, especially when uh, once he was back on the field, I just think, you know, from a mental and a preparation standpoint, Adding that veteran is going to be crucial for Justin Herbert. Somebody mentioned CJ Beathard in the chat. That works for me too because he's not like a super old guy, but he's very familiar with Shane Day. He ha- he's very familiar with the system. Um, I don't think they're bringing back Nick Mullins, the Niners. That is so. Nick Mullins would be another one. He probably costs a little more than CJ Beathard, but you know, a lot of the higher end you know backup options are are now signed. So. You, know, you still have Alex Smith, and a lot of people thought that he could get, you know, a potential starting job. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case. So I know Alex is a little worried about the on-field thing, but from a preparation standpoint, I think Alex Smith would make a lot of sense. Uh, Jeff Friday mentioned Chase Daniel. He's not been released yet, uh, but Chase Daniel, I mean, he's been, you know, one of the funniest stories of all time because he just keeps getting paid, but he never gets on the field. 
Um, but Chase Daniel, I think, would make a lot of sense because he's been with Joe Lombardi. He knows that system. And, you know, he's done everything mentally to that that could benefit Justin Herbert. And so for me, like, you got to add a veteran backup at some point. And I think they will. They'll bring in somebody else because they're not going to go into training camp with two quarterbacks. You know, they traditionally bring in four. So they'll probably bring in, you know, a lower tier veteran and then, you know, do an undrafted free agent potentially as like another developmental guy like we saw with Cardell Jones. But, you know, it's not going to be Easton Stick as – you know, the anointed backup quarterback too already. Like they're going to bring in some competition because that's just what they've always done. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Easton stick well enough. Like, I mean, he seems like a nice guy, um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he, he did have a bad preseason and he hasn't played football in two years. Like, how are you just going to be like, you know, it, it doesn't even have to be a situation like Justin Herbert tears his ACL. Like if that happens, the situation, the season's over. Yeah, but what if right. something ha- like the, the Raiders game? Right, the Raiders game. Derek Carr goes down. Marcus Mariota comes in, and he plays at a serviceable enough level. Now, I'm not saying you have to spend Marcus Mariota money, but if you can pay a quarterback, you know, let's say between one and four million, who you know is good enough uh, to at least you know just finish out a game, that can be really important. Um, and if it wasn't for the Raiders secondary being total dog shit uh, at the time and them firing their defensive coordinator. They would have won that game with Marcus Mariota. Um, um, so I, I do think there is value to having, you know, a backup, even if you hope, you know, ultimately that they never have to see the field because of Justin Herbert. Um, and the other thing for me, yeah, like you mentioned, there's a lot of cheap, affordable backups. There's Joe Flacco. There's Alex Smith. Um, and, you know, to the to the point of experience, uh, Justin Herbert is one year older than me. And I'm kind of stupid. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> so I think Can't that. Confirm. <laughs> I think that, you know, you can uh, get a lot of wisdom by just having someone who's played a bunch of games. You know, yeah. that seems yep. like something that's kind of just intuitive. Um, you know, so, again, it's not something that, like, I don't like Easton Stick. It's just like, yeah, he is unproven. And I have to, I have to see it really with my own eyes. Uh, right. You know, maybe he'll get a preseason this year to try to prove himself and how much he's improved. Maybe he wins the uh, starting quarterback job. But he has to win it first. Like, I don't, yeah, like Steven said, I don't feel comfortable anointing him and then having, you know, the, the last life uh, life reserve for the Chargers being Easton Stick. You know, another guy um, that I'll mention is uh, Geno Smith. Uh, he's a free agent right now, was recently the Seahawks backup, Chargers backup in 2018. Uh, <laughs> Tyler's rolling his eyes. But Geno <laughs> Smith, I mean, he's played in a bunch of games. I mean, and was a starter for a while. So, like... I do think there's something to that where it's just like, it doesn't need to be, you know, I love Jacoby Brissett, but he signed in Miami for however many million. Uh, You don't have to pay a guy a ton of money. Like, I just think you bring in a guy either to compete with Stick or you bring in a guy to be the backup for a low cost. Uh, That's that's really all I think it's about. Yeah. Even if, like, we're doomed anyway if Justin Herbert goes down. So bring in someone with experience because right now the only guy he can look at is Easton Stick and, you know, hey, Easton. You know, what was it like being in a football game? He's going to go, well, I ran forward for four yards once. and <laughs> Like, that was it. So I might have taken a gadget snap once. Um, speaking of Raiders, you mentioned Raiders a while ago. They signed Solomon Thomas to a one-year deal for $5 million. Obviously a first-round bust, but I just kind of wish the Chargers would take a couple more swings. Maybe not at $5 million, but a couple yeah. more swings on some guys that didn't quite make it. But had a lot of talent. And Dory Jackson is on the market yeah. right now, former first round pick. Um, so I would like them to take some sort of swing there because if you think you have good coaching, maybe these guys stink. 
I don't know. Maybe when they evaluate them, they're like, oh, God, this is just not worth it anymore. This is unsavable. <laughs> but, you know, if Telesco can take shots on guys from the CFL or the XFL and they have panned out, why not take a shot on some guys with a lot of talent at one point in, in, their, in their life that are younger and, you know, give them a shot. And for him to go to the Raiders... Uh, they're still gonna suck, but <laughs> at least at least they're trying to do something. The ra- so I'm I'm not yeah go for it. The Raiders are just like they're so poorly run right now, and you know they spent all this money on the offensive line. It was their best unit, and now they're blowing it up. And they were gonna release Gabe Jackson. Now they're trying to trade him. Uh, by not releasing him, they now have to pay him all his money. Like his money becomes guaranteed now. So that was just a dumb mistake. Uh, trading Roddy Hudson, arguably the second or third best center in the league, or even the best <laughs> center in the league. Like, what are you doing? And you know, I saw some Raiders writers were like, well, they weren't winning any games anyway. But it's like, you have a great offensive line. <laughs> okay. Your floor is seven wins. Like, for yep, the Raiders, right. you got to take that. Like, that's, you know, for a team that's traditionally been winning four and five games the last few years, you know, now to say, well, seven wins isn't good enough. So. You know, what's the point? Um, yeah. Also, am I am I mistaken or is this the same Raiders team that started like six and three and six and four? Like yeah. the Raiders have been playing decent football. I mean, look, they collapsed down the stretch last year because their defense became a tire fire with injuries and all that. But like they weren't all that far away last year to at least be yeah. a playoff contender. I mean, there was a big Sunday night football game where, you know, they came in and went tit for tat with the Chiefs. They were before the Buccaneers. They were the only team to beat the Chiefs. Yeah. Like that. That is that is an accomplishment. Um, Last year, I, I just find I remember it, after they lost that game to the Chiefs, dude. Everybody was talking about them being like a Super Bowl contender and yeah. talking so about like, it being like the best loss of all time. I'm like, okay, pump the yeah. brakes. Like, let's relax. Yeah, the, the idea that they're this far away, like that. That's that's just something I don't understand from the Raiders writers. But um, no, I mean, uh, going back to. What were we just talking about? Uh, oh, we Jackson. were talking about East. Oh, we were talking about Dory Jackson. Um, yeah, I, I like Dory Jackson. I like um, Troy Hill is another option that's still yeah. out there. Um, I think there's quite a few CB options. I'm curious to see if they're going to sign another guy or if they're going to go um, maybe through the draft. I don't know if they're going to go for the first two rounds and pair one of those guys with Michael Davis. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander is a guy I actually like uh, a little bit from uh, Cincinnati. He was the other corner there other than William Jackson, and I thought he was pretty good. Um, so I wouldn't mind signing him to maybe a, a one- or two-year type deal. Uh, but, yeah, there, there's still a lot of movement for free agency for sure. Yeah, the uh, the cornerback market and the edge market has pretty much you know dried up. Um, if they want to add a secondary piece, like you know uh, Daniel Popper mentioned Anthony Harris, I think that would make a lot of sense. Somebody who can do you know some slot safety versatility. Obviously, Troy Troy Hill. I, I would love a Dory Jackson signing. Man, I think you know he in his first three years really showed signs of being like a, a premier corner, and the dude is an athletic freak, and so you get. You know, Adoree Jackson and Michael Davis on, on, you know, on the bookend corners. That's some high end athleticism that the Chargers haven't had in a very long time at the cornerback position, right? Because it's always been like, you know, Antonio Cromartie and Quentin Jammer. Like you get one high end athlete and then one kind of lockdown guy. But, you know, in a division with the Chiefs and even the Raiders who have Henry Ruggs, like you got to have speed. You got to have, you know, premier athleticism. And I think Adoree Jackson. And Michael Davis would give them that. And and I think you could get him for pretty cheap right now. 
and, and you know be able to like Tyler said take a first round talent kind of guy and you know rejuvenate his career because if you take a shot on Adoree Jackson turn him into that premier corner then you look like a freaking genius like your your team's getting all kinds of praise because you took a chance on a guy and you turn him into a in a truly effective starter and I think that makes a lot of sense can I ask a dumb question <laughs> Is Michael Davis the corner one? Right now, yeah. yeah. Right now, yeah. Well, right now, sure. But I mean, like, do they actually view him like that? I think... Um, Daniel Popper seems to think I mean, that I mean, uh, I- Chris Harris Jr. is going to be an outside corner in this system. Uh, I don't know how much mm-hmm. I buy that, personally. Um, but, I mean, I like Chris Harris, but I-, I think Michael Davis right now on the roster is cornerback one, and I think... You know, it's going to be really interesting to see how they attack the draft because we all want a cornerback in the second round, especially, you know, if it's Asante Samuel Jr. But, and Michael Davis is the cornerback one. Um, that's a little scary for me. I like Michael Davis a lot, but, you know, I think he's best suited as a number two cornerback right now. Yeah. I mean, I think Michael Davis is going to be the cornerback one next year. Whether he's that going forward is kind of a different um, question, right? Like, if they wanted to go in the first round and they were like, hey, we're going to take Patrick Sertan or someone like that or Caleb Farley, right? Then in that case, it's like, okay, you know, then that guy is probably your eventual CB1 in all reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, it doesn't sound like there, you know, there's no free agent corner that would really go over Michael Davis. And there, I don't think there's a draft corner, maybe Asante Samuel Jr. in the second round that eventually eclipses him. Um, but I don't think there's many other guys in the draft that would, you know, within the next two or three years, really overtake Michael Davis. Yeah. So the last thing we're going to talk about here. So we're go- I'm going to tell you guys right now, we are going to give away a free agent jersey. Uh, whether that is Corey Lindsley, if that's your choice, or Matt Filer, or whoever else they sign, uh, we are going to give give away a jersey. So the instructions for how you enter are, are going to be very simple. You're just going to comment right now. Corey Lindsley, the full name typed, and that will count as your entry. Okay, so obviously that doesn't mean you have to do the, the full name. Corey Lindsley, full name, not just Lindsley. Okay, so that's going to be your entry for our jersey giveaway. We're going to talk about the Mike Williams thing, and then we will take some questions after that. So if you want an entry into the jersey, you have to type the full name, Corey Lindsley. All right, so Mike Williams, obviously his contract is now fully guaranteed. They can still... Uh, come to an agreement with an extension uh, with him that would obviously lower the cap it. Um, I don't know why some people were thinking that he was going to be cut. I never thought that was going to be a possibility, especially once Hunter Henry signed with the Patriots. It just, he became that much more important. So um, do both of you still feel like he plays this season on the option or do you think that they will get an extension done? Uh, Just kind of your general thoughts on, on Mike Williams. I feel that he plays this season on the option. I mean, there's not a lot of motivation for Mike Williams to sign a contract extension unless he thinks he's going to really play bad because of the system or he's going to accident, you know, if he's concerned about injury, that's another thing. But his baseline really going forward because of his size, because of his intangibles, even if he has 600 yards and three touchdowns next year, it's probably still like eight, nine, 10 million. Right. So if that's kind of the low point that he's taking right now and say the Chargers agree with him on a four year, $40 million extension, 
why would he take that right now? Right? Like, that's kind of the thing, if that's going to be the baseline offer for a bad year next year anyway. Um, and you can play yourself if, you know, Mike Williams has a thousand yards and eight touchdowns. Yeah, he probably plays himself into a 13 to 15 million dollar deal. Um, so that's kind of the thing about Mike Williams taking an extension. There were a lot of people today on Twitter that I guess thought they were going to cut Mike Williams. Like, I don't know where people got that idea from, because if you've been listening to our show, <laughs> we've been saying that they were going to keep Mike Williams the whole time. Yeah. And then people are on our Twitter like, I can't believe Tom Telesco did this. Like, this is what he was going to do. Right. <laughs> I really didn't understand that. Um, but the other thing for me is, it, you know, keeping Mike Williams at 15 million, like, sure, that's a bad cap hit for one year. But guess what? They still have 20 or $25 million in cap space to work with, and they're probably not done spending it for agency. And that $20 million figure accounts for the uh, rookie contracts I'll have to sign. So, um, you know, they still have plenty of money left to work with. You know, if you want to do a Zach Ertz trade and three other moves, you can still do that. <laughs> like that's, that's the whole point. And teams have been showing us that there's creative ways for cap hits. The Chiefs signing Joe Thudy to an $80 million deal, um, you know, to, you know, figure out what you want to do with the cap. So, and Mike Williams, look, you know, the, the options for replacing him, if you were to cut him, what are they, right? Okay, if you want to sign Kenny Galladay or Juju Smith-Schuster, okay, so you're going to pay one year for $15 million of that, or you're going to promise them more money for a longer term. So that's not an answer. If you want to cut Mike Williams and draft a receiver, guess what? You're probably not going offensive line in round yeah. one, or you have to go wide receiver round two at the earliest in that situation. Like, I just don't think there was a good way to move on from Mike Williams this offseason. Um, I still think he's a relatively productive receiver, and you see where you are next year. If Mike Williams has a bad year, you try to move on from him. If Mike Williams has a good year, you sign him to an extension, or... You know, like people have said, there's a possibility at least that Mike Williams uh, signs an extension this offseason, although I think that's unlikely. Um, but yeah, I just I think Mike Williams is a good player to have. And, you know, I, was, <laughs> I got into this with people on Twitter today, but, you know, the best option is keeping him and figuring yeah. it out later. Um, you know, we've already talked about they have to replace Nick Vigil. They have to replace Denzel Perriman. They have to replace Hunter Henry. They have to do all these things. Why are you adding, you know, another, another uh, hole, yeah. you know, uh, another hole on a list of shit that you already have to fix? <laughs> like, it's like if I had a bunch of shit to renovate in my house and then I just decided to break the refrigerator. Like, <laughs> there, there's something about that. Um, I, I just, you know, I think you... <laughs> You figure out what you want to do with Mike Williams. The later analogies, man. It. The analogies are cracking me up. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm going to be the Colin Cowherd today. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's great. Um, if I'm being honest, a guy who hasn't been quite that productive, who self-admittedly does not care about his own body is probably not worth extending as is. And he is not worth his cap pit this year. He is not worth $20,000 less than Keenan Allen. But I think they're just going yeah. to eat it. And now that Hunter Henry is gone, I always thought it was kind of the opposite. If you lose Mike Williams, Hunter Henry becomes necessary. Clearly, the opposite has happened. And I, you know, it's pretty clear that Mike Williams is going to be on the team this year. So you know, I think it's necessary to hang on to him for one more year. Um, I do think the need for wide receiver is bumped up now. And again, that's another reason why you can't just trade for Ertz because you might need that fourth. I mean, you grab Des Fitzpatrick in the fourth. He's probably going to go earlier, but say you get him in the fourth, I think that's worth it as his eventual replacement. So 
I think it's it's going to stink to bite it for a year. Yeah. And look, if he does really well, awesome. He probably won't come back anyway. Sign a fat contract somewhere else. Give me that comp pick. You know, we're, we're, aren't we all loving these uh, these mock drafts with an extra third? <laughs> Not that I don't think Mike Williams will give you that, but like, it's kind of fun, isn't it? This whole new compensatory pick thing. Maybe that's the analytic, whatever route that they want to go. Maybe that's kind of why they let Hunter. No, because then they have Lindsay and Filer. But still, like, I just think, I think it works for this year. You don't have Henry. And I think it'll work for next year when you eventually let him go and you find somebody else because the guy, again, admittedly does not care about his own body. He wants to get the football and that's great. But he doesn't care if he lands on his shoulder, you know, and, and separates it and is out for the year, which he's, he seems to do almost every single game. I don't know how he comes back in the games the yeah. following week. Um, that's just, you know, if Hunter Henry was already a risk as is because of his injuries, so I feel like his were kind of more a freak injuries you know a guy that you know lacerates his kidney because someone hit him in the back like what are you gonna do like it's not something that that's just a random act of of craziness williams actively almost goes out of his way to hurt himself and i just don't think you can extend that granted it does lower the cap hit this year but then again what are the other chargers going after a big name guy not necessarily so you could lower the cap hit this year but it's not like they're you know trying to go and win free agency right now so it's not like you really need that cap so yeah I, i do think while he is totally not worth his cap hit this year, he is going to play on it, and it is what it is. Let him walk next year, whether he does poorly or does really well or really does about the same. Like I just think he's going to be gone. Yeah, someone's uh, two updates: Kenny Galladay is expected to sign with the Giants. Kyle Long is signing with the Chiefs. Yeah, I just saw the Kyle Long thing. Uh, Kyle Long is going to be an All Pro <laughs> next year because that's how things work. Because he he signed with the Kansas City Chiefs, he's going to be an amazing player, uh, and that's going to not be very fun watching that happen. Um, but the Chiefs are going for it, man. And, you know, they were reportedly in on the Trent Williams thing all the way to the end. Um, and everybody would kind of was talking about like, how do they have space? How do they have space? They restructured a shit ton of deals. They released both of their tackles and Joe Thune has a $990,000 cap hit next year because he signed like a $20 million signing bonus or whatever. So, you know, the Chiefs have space and they're making moves, obviously. Uh, and I think Kyle Long is a good, good signing for them, unfortunately. Um, but they're going to be fine. Everybody was kind of, you know, pushing the panic button and saying that the Chiefs are going to be bad next year. They're going to be fine. Uh, they are going to win the AFC West next year. They're going to win 13, 14 games, uh, and they'll probably be back in the Super Bowl. <laughs> so just so everybody knows that. Um, as for Mike Williams, man, like I think a lot of the frustration from, you know, myself included and others comes from the fact that they drafted him in the first round. They drafted him in the top 10, and he hasn't really become more than a jump ball player. And, and I understand that frustration, but you know, this Tom Telesco loves Mike Williams. Daniel Popper has repeatedly said that he is very highly regarded inside that building. And it makes a lot of sense. He's a warrior and he fights through all these injuries. Uh, and he, and he gets, you know, he, he battles on the field. And I think that's important. I would love to see him evolve more as a player. And, and I would love to see some, some more separation skills. Um, there was, reports last offseason saying that he was a better route runner uh we didn't really see that very much so um i don't know we'll have to wait and see but he's gonna get more targets this year because hunter henry is gone um you know even if you sign cal rudolph cal rudolph's not getting hunter henry's 90 targets zach Ertz, maybe but you know mike williams is gonna get more targets and i think he's gonna be more productive so if he has a really good season shows some progression as a route runner then they can keep him and then they can bring him back. If not, then like Tyler said, then they let him leave 
and hopefully get a compensatory pick. So uh, that being said, guys, we'll take some questions here. Uh, if you have any questions, please type them in the chat. Uh, somebody's already asked Villanueva or Riley Reef. Uh, I would take Reef. I'm not super interested in uh, Alejandro Villanueva. I just have never really been super impressed with him. Uh, and I think he's going to command, you know, $12, $13 million. And I don't think he's worth that. I think you could probably get Riley Reef for seven or eight. And I think they're probably in a very similar tier, very similar abilities. So I would say, uh, give me Riley Reef if that's the case. But I would much prefer taking a uh, first round rookie because that's just way cheaper and probably better, honestly. Right. I think the thing with Reef, though, um, that I like about him, and this could also be true with Villanueva, I suppose, um, is if you sign him to a one-year deal, right, let's say you sign Riley Reif to one year, $8 million, that doesn't really take him out or, you know, make him the full-time starter, right, I guess. You know, if you still draft, you know, Rayshon Slater, Elijah Vera Tucker, if you still draft Christian Darasaw, like, you can probably, you know, uh, see whoever wins in training camp and then go from there. Um, with Villanueva, if you're signing him to a one-year, twelve to fifteen million dollar deal, he's probably the starter there <laughs> at the very least for the whole year, just right. because of his his salary would command yep. that, unless he were to get hurt or something. Um, so I think that's really the difference between the two. So that's also kind of why I would prefer Rife. And like Steven said, I don't think they're that different in quality to the point where I'm paying an extra six or seven million for Alejandro Villanueva. I'm trying to find the snap counts, but Alejandro Villanueva, 43 pressures last season. So I don't know if I'm paying a guy the second left tackle on the market yeah. money for 43 pressures. And when Riley Reef gave up 21 on a thousand snaps himself. So yeah, I mean, because it, it kind of answers my question. If you're 22 snap pressures better. Yeah. And I'm Riley Reef is going to be much, much cheaper. And so. You know, I think that's a mm-hmm. signing that probably could happen this weekend if they go after it. But it, my personal preference would still be to beef up the interior offensive line. Um, you know, if Gabe Jackson is available, I'm not too interested in trading for Gabe Jackson. That kind of seems what the Raiders are hoping for. Um, you know, similar conversation to, to Zach Ertz, right? I think, you know, obviously you could get Gabe Jackson, you know, and his long-term deal done. You know, he's signed for next year as well. Um, but I just think, you know, you could sign a Larry Warford, you could sign, you know, another depth signing. Somebody asked about Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney, you know, they're like, they're Forrest Lamp, him playing all 100% of the snaps last year was huge, uh, for him just like mentally, I think. But, um, you know, I think if I'm bringing back, you know, any of the three starters last year in a reserve role, I think I, I could make an argument that Forrest Lamp, there's still a lot of untapped potential there because of the injuries. So, you know, I, I wouldn't hate him being the like the one holdover starter, but I think it's going to be Dan Feeney, unfortunately. Uh, but I, I still would like to see them beef up the interior offensive line with a Larry Warford, you know, a Nick Easton kind of type, and then be able to draft a tackle at uh, number 13. So, the like I said, the Raiders have not officially released Gabe Jackson. It seems like their plan is going to be tr- to try and trade him, uh, which is was really foolish of them. Okay, so somebody asked about Kyle Pitts again. I'll entertain your I'll entertain your thought. The Chargers take Kyle Pitts at thirteen if he's there. I don't think he's going to be there, but if they take him at thirteen, the problem with that approach, and I've been saying this, you know, at thirteen you have the chance of maybe getting the second best offensive lineman if that's Rayshon Slater. 
If not, you can get the third best, Elijah Vera Tucker or Christian Derisaw. If you pass on an offensive lineman in the first round to take Kyle Pitts, who is a fantastic player, definitely fills a need at this point. In this second round, then you're likely looking at, you know, a James Hudson, a Brady Christensen, Alex Leatherwood type of player to be your starting left tackle from day one. And that's just not really something that I personally am interested in. You know, we look at all these teams who need offensive line help in a very deep offensive line class. There's going to be, you know, 10 to 12 players who get drafted before in terms of offensive linemen who before the Chargers pick at 47. So if you're willing to take the risk of passing on the second or third best lineman in favor of the 13th or 14th best lineman, then sure, take Kyle Pitts. If you're not, then you take an offensive lineman at 13. And that's the biggest thing for me. Same thing at cornerback as well, right? You know, you take the second or third best cornerback at 13, uh, then you have to do the offensive lineman. If you do it in reverse, you could still get the fourth or fifth best cornerback in the second round. You know, offensive line, you're probably choosing between the 14th, 15th, maybe 13th if you're lucky. That's my rant that's my rant on the couple. Okay, good. That was very nice. <laughs> I was waiting for Tyler to I was waiting for Tyler to speak because he hasn't speak, spoken in a while, so I wanted to give him a chance. I can't speak. <laughs> um Yeah, no. I I responded to the wrong tweet about this, but someone you know asked me about, you know, Pitts is a generational talent. I responded to the wrong tweet, but like I said, so is Justin Herbert, and I'd like to take my kids to see him one day. And I want him to be protected by the best offensive line possible. Right. And if you take Leatherwood, who I don't think is really much of a tackle as is, and you take him in, in the second round, he's probably your, your left tackle for a few years. You know, Are you going to invest a first-round pick the following year in a left tackle because you, you reached in the second round and you blew it on that pick? Or are you going to sign? You know, Trent Williams just asked for $23 million a year. Are you going to sign a super expensive left tackle next year? No. Do you want Sam Tevy back? No. <laughs> I don't. I mean, not in no, a starting not role a starting at least. Role. <laughs> sure, as a swing, fine. Um, and like you said, the draft plays so much better. And for everyone talking about Kyle Pitts, uh, I mean, watch Brevin Jordan, guys. Like, I don't right. understand. Kyle Pitts isn't the only tight end in this draft. You've watched Brevin Jordan or Tommy Tremble, two different players. But you'll fall in love with either of them. Yeah. And yeah, I just don't understand. Until this team, you know, someone asked if you sign a left tackle and a corner. Are you okay with Pitts at 13? I mean, I guess, but like, are you show me, I suppose, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. Again, I've been on the let's now that they have their left guard, I think uh, let's go with left tackle at 13. Let's, let's just make this the cornerstone. Let's not pay Trent Williams, $23 million. Let's get a good left tackle granted unproven and pay him $16 million, $17 million over the next four years. And you get him on a fifth year option as well, rather than pay someone, a ridiculous amount of money. So, I mean, like, yeah, Tyler Poor. Hey, Tyler, another Tyler. I'm in love with Jordan. He's so good. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Sam Tevy wasn't horrible. He, te- Tevy was, like, borderline serviceable. I agree. But, you know, that's the thing is, like, if you're trying to protect Justin Herbert, you want the best offensive line possible. And so, you know, if my choices in the draft, like, if you tell me that I have to take a left tackle and a tight end in the first two rounds, and my choices are Kyle Pitts and Alex Leatherwood, or Christian Derrissaw, or Elijah Vera Tucker, Rayshon Slater, and Brevin Jordan, I'm taking that second option. I'm taking the better left yep. tackle and then hoping that, you know, Brevin Jordan can develop into, you know, a generational kind of talent because, 
you know, Kyle Pitts, like he is an amazing player. The things you can do with him are awesome. That's also why he's probably not going to be there at 13, right? Because, you know, I could make yep. an argument. I'll make a flow chart if you want me to. You know, do you need a quarterback? Yes. Then you don't take Kyle Pitts. Do you not need a quarterback? No. Then you take Kyle Pitts. <laughs> Are you the Cincinnati Bengals? Yes. Then you take uh, Panay Sewell. If you're other anyone other else, if you're any other team, you should probably take Kyle Pitts. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, you guys are very nice for entertaining the thought. But <laughs> I don't think Kyle Pitts is going to be there at 13. You know, I think someone's going to take him, whether it's the Falcons or the Eagles, another team that's in that top 10. Um, the Cowboys, they, they, the Cowboys fucking love, you know, taking whoever the sexiest yeah. player is and then, you know, just riding it out and figuring everything else out later. Like Jerry Jones would run to the podium to take Kyle Pitts and pair him with CeeDee Lamb and all those guys, right? <laughs> um, so I, I, I look, I like Kyle Pitts and I agree with people that he's a generational talent, but I think the reality is you'd probably have to trade up for Kyle Pitts um, at yeah. least to number, let's say, eight in the draft or somewhere around there. Um, and I think you're giving up capital in a year where it's not smart to do that. Uh, so in that sense, I'm kind of, uh, out on Kyle Pitts if, you know, I have to trade up for him and tight end isn't that big of a need. You know, I know we just lost Hunter Henry, so it's crazy to say that, but the needs on this team at quarterback and offensive line are still bigger, even with Hunter Henry leaving. And I would argue that they need another pass rusher more than they need a tight end. Honestly, I would, um, two, two quick ones. Somebody asked about Dylan Redunes. I love Dylan Redunes. Um, I think he's going to be a first round player. Uh, especially after the way that he mm-hmm. went down at the senior bowl, you know, he's got everything that teams look for in terms of like that second tier of offensive tackle. I wouldn't take him at 13, but if the chargers could trade down to like 20, 21, then I would honestly be okay with taking Dylan Redunes at, at that point. Like that's how highly I think people around mm-hmm. the league think of him. Uh, somebody asked about Eric Fisher. Eric Fisher just tore his Achilles, which means he's done in the NFL. It's not happening. Achilles injuries are so hard to come back from, especially when you're a 30-year-old offensive lineman who weighs 320 pounds. Eric Fisher is not – It's could he be a serviceable player? Sure, but he's done being an above-average player. I'm not interested in, in taking that kind of chance because he will be expensive. Like He probably costs as much as Alejandro Villanueva, and uh, I'm just not interested in that one. Also, if you sign Eric Fisher, like he just tore his Achilles, and it was late in the season. It was late in the season, right? Right before the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's the thing I was saying. Like, you don't know if he's going to be ready by week one, right? He might not be ready till week six or seven, and it really takes uh, a full year after the injury until. I mean, we saw this with Hunter Henry. Like, it takes a full year after the uh, ACL or the Achilles uh, until these players are, you know, really, you know, 100%, especially with football. You know, uh, Kevin Durant in the NBA is a special case because, you know, (laughs) he's a freak. But, yeah, but that's basketball. You know, football, you know, you you just said, like, a 320-pound tackle, you know, having to rehab his Achilles, it ain't happening. Yeah. So uh, somebody, uh, Clinton Sims said, I know offensive line at 13 should be the pick, but if Slater and maybe Elijah Vera Tucker are gone before 13, I wouldn't hate Ojolari in the first and Little Hudson in the second. Uh, he says, I'm not that high on Cosme. So Aziz Ojolari, I, I said this earlier this morning after he, he tested, the dude has freakishly long arms. I think it was like 34 and three eights or something like that. Uh, Daniel Popper had a good time, like taking out a <laughs> tape measure, he said. And so 
I've said this a couple times, but if the Chargers do not want an offensive lineman in the first round, you know, say Slater is off the board uh, and they kind of view Elijah Vera Tucker as a guard, which I think is possible, then I think Aziz Ojolari would be my selection because for me, the value of an edge rusher, a top tier edge rusher is so much greater than a cornerback. You know, you look at last year's draft class, the three best corners were taken in the second round, Jalen Johnson, my guy. Uh, you had, um, what's his name? Holmes, Darnay Holmes, who was the, probably the second best in the fourth round. And then the fifth round was Legereus knee, who was probably the third best. So it's so much easier to find like a true impact cornerback later in the draft than it is an edge rusher. And so you know, a lot of people have said like, well, they have a Chena and Wosu. They like, they don't really need an edge rusher. It, it for me, like, I'm not going to turn down a top tier pass rusher. If I like, if I have to, like, I would still prefer the offensive line, but I think for me, like it's it's easily you take an edge rusher if you're not taking an offensive lineman. Um, yeah, and uh, I think you take probably edge rusher if you're not taking an offensive lineman. The, the the only argument that I would have towards that is potentially cornerback. Um, I've said that a couple times, but I think that's actually for me. I think cornerback has a little bit bigger need than edge right now, sure. but I think you could probably argue it either way. Um, but yeah, it also depends on how you view the draft classes. And <laughs> I know Steven has said, uh, he, you know, likes the edge class or no, uh, Steven has said he likes the cornerbacks later better. I've said that I like the, uh, edges later better. So it really depends on your, you know, personal view on like what position groups, uh, you know, you think will be left later, but the only three positions I can really see them taking in the first round right now, barring, you know, some, you know, dramatic player falling or something is really cornerback uh offensive line and uh edge like you said yeah it'll be offensive line because like you said the edge class and the corner class are pretty good and i think in the second round i think as you get later it might become a problem but you know in that second round you're gonna get some really good defensive value there again not a first round starter but you know a pretty solid guy um what the hell are we talking about (laughs) i was i read someone's comment and i'm just like i completely (laughs) forgot what i was talking about Uh, Chargers fan um, 21 brought up Deontay it. Smith. Uh, and I think this is an interesting thing because, you know, we've kind of talked about, you know, them maybe getting, you know, a defensive starter in the second round. Uh, and I think that's probably going to mm-hmm. be the case, you know, a corner or an edge rusher or maybe a linebacker with, with how things have panned out, a safety, get some safety help. Um, so for me, like, I think taking Deontay Smith in the third round is the perfect situation, right? You know, you get him to sit behind Balaga. Um, James Hudson, if he's there, would be another kind of situation or Jalen Moore from Western Michigan. Um, I don't think Walker Little will be there, but that would be like, you know, a dream situation. You get Walker mm-hmm. Little in the third round and, and have him develop. So uh, I like that situation a lot. You know, getting your your left tackle of the future in the first round, getting your right tackle of the future in the third round to sit for a year behind Brian Bulaga. Uh, and then that gets them a yep. lot of options. I think Deontay Smith especially would be fantastic because he played guard as well at the senior bowl, had a lot of flexibility there. And then you have Matt Filer who also has some guard tackle flexibility. So I think that would be a very smart situation uh, for the chargers to do. Uh, a couple of people have asked this in the chat. So I guess I'll pose it to you guys. Do you think that the chargers are done spending <clears throat> in free agency or do you think there's uh, more moves on the way? Uh, define spending. If you mean big moves, probably, but I think wrote tennis, Andrew. Thanks a lot. Uh, no, that's my girlfriend. She does tennis anyway. Uh, no, I don't think they're done spending. They can't be done spending They're They have, they have like so many holes to fill. So many. Their offensive line is like six people. And I know you only need five, 
but you kind of need more than that eventually because it's the Chargers, folks. You're going to need about 13 on your roster. Yeah. You're going to go through all of them. So <laughs> are they done spending? No, uh, no obviously not. They do need right, some guys, right, and right. some guys will return. Um, I don't know what's up with Ty Long. He's, he's a free agent, right? But um, yeah, no, they're not done spending. No. But I don't think there's a whole lot of big moves left. I'm shy. I'm really disappointed they weren't interested in Reddick or he didn't sign Reddick. Um, but yeah, uh, Troy Hill is still in play, and until yeah. he's not, he, until he signs somewhere else, I, I always think he's going to be in play. Yeah, I think they'll sign uh, you know a, a secondary piece. I feel like if they get you know uh, you know Troy Hill or or uh, sorry Craig Smith, what if the Chargers give up the second for Jackson? Find a trade partner in the first to move back to later in the first, get Redunes and recoup the lost second. My man, you're you're preaching to the choir here. I think that would be an amazing situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get yeah. JC Jackson, who what was that stat you found, Tyler? He's got like what, thirty interceptions over the last three years or something Seven. like that? I wish he had thirty <laughs> interceptions. I don't think they'd be going for thirty interceptions and th- seventeen. That was interceptions. an exaggeration. That was an exaggeration. But it might as well be <laughs> pretty much. Seventeen, thirty. Yeah. More interceptions than anyone on the Chargers had in the last three years, probably. Yeah. I know Melvin Ingram almost paced the team last year. Oh my gosh. <laughs> for like six weeks. That was um I've entertained that idea a lot of that Craig brought up. I've just done it I've done it in the draft network. I've done a stupid thing like trade back with a team and then trade up with the Saints or something like yeah. that. Like but I've always gone for an edge rusher kind of guy because I do think there's a, a sweet spot where a couple of edge rushers could be sitting in the twenties. But I do like that too. I do like the idea of trading back and trading up. And why not? Like you can trade up and accumulate some value, accumulate some picks. And you still have ammo already to trade up too, so I think they'd be in a good spot to Chris do that for ta-da. sure. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, trading down, man. I think it's just so smart, especially this year when you have, you know, you know, uh, the cap decrease going down. You have all these roster hills, roster holes, excuse me. Uh, so trading down makes sense, and it's Adam Schefter seems to think that there's going to be five quarterbacks taken in the top ten, uh, which would include Mac Jones. I don't. If he's hearing that, I think we kind of have to talk about it. But, you know, if they're sitting at 13 and Mac Jones is still on the board, then, you know, I think you call Chicago, you sh- you call Washington uh, and be able to trade back. I think that's a good situation. So um, all of us. Why would you call Chicago? <laughs> Why would you call Chicago? They have Andy oh, Dalton. I'm so, oh, Andy Dalton. Oh. <laughs> so uh, let's get those prayer circles going that Mac Jones falls and is on the board at 13. Cause I think that's the perfect situation for the chargers. Then they can trade back. Um, and then you could get, I don't know. I'm a big fan of Tevin Jenkins, man. I think Tevin Jenkins is being slept on. I think if you could trade back and get 19 and I do think that Tevin Jenkins could play left tackle. Uh, I think that would mm-hmm. be awesome. Or like I said, Dylan Redunes as well. Uh, but trading back would just be an amazing situation. I'd go for Tevin Jenkins after you trade back. And if it doesn't work and you have to move him to right tackle, that's okay because you're probably getting rid of Brian Balaga next yeah. year anyhow. That's like a really high upside James Hudson kind of play where you have that first round talent. And, you know, you know, play him behind Balaga or excuse me, play him at left tackle, switch him over if it doesn't work. If it does work, great. I love it. I love Tevin Jenkins if you trade back. All right, so we'll, ask a, we'll answer a couple more questions. So if you want to get some questions in, make sure and at, ask them right away. Um, somebody asked about Melvin Ingram on a one-year deal, and uh, Chargers fan also Chargers fan twenty one also asked about Jadavion Clowney. So uh, we talked about Melvin Ingram last time. I think the longer he stays on the market, uh, I think the longer it remains a possibility that he comes back to the Chargers. Um, Jadavion Clowney, yeah. 
I like I think that would be a really good addition for their run defense because Jadavian Clowney is one of the better run defenders in terms of edge rushers. But you know, I don't know like what does he cost like really? Because I I think people that are signing Jadavian Clowney are always going to talk themselves into you know he was a first round pick. He was you know yeah. the number one overall pick. He's got all these crazy athletic tools, and so I think Jadavian Clowney would would cost. I mean, I don't know. Hassan Reddick just signed for eight million dollars. So what do I know? Um, but I'm not super interested in Jadavian Clowney. Yeah, I mean, if it's between Jadavian Clowney and Melvin Ingram, I'd probably lean towards just bringing Melvin Ingram back on a one-year deal. Uh, I think that's what he's going to get anyway. Um, I don't know if there's, you know... It, like Steven said, the longer it goes and the Chargers have fewer edge options in free agency, and Melvin Ingram, because edges keep getting snatched up, he has fewer options in free agency... Uh, I think it's likely, I I mean, yeah, I would honestly say it's likely now that he probably goes back to the Chargers on a one-year deal, uh, and then in the draft, uh, or, you know, you can make some other moves, you get your long-term starter there. But honestly, I think it's kind of mutually beneficial because, you know, for Melvin Ingram, right, he's on a one-year deal, has a better uh, year than he did last year, isn't injured, right, yeah. then that puts him in play for 2022 free agency. Uh, and then the other thing would just be, uh, what what do you want to do, I guess, past him, right? That, you know, this year allows you time to figure out what you want to do. So I kind of think at this point, with the way the edge market is going, it's kind of beneficial for both parties. Now, the question is, how does he fit in Staley's defense? Um, you know, and well, he really only it? played one year of the... We'll never know what the question <laughs> is. Dono the question is, we don't know. It's just a lot different that, than so. what uh, Staley used to um, do. So. Yeah, that, that's an interesting conversation. I do think Melvin Ingram on a one-year deal would make a lot of sense. I think he would make a lot of sense on a bunch of teams. Um, so let's... Somebody asked, uh, Andrew Hernandez jokingly said, should Steven... No, I'm not saying Mac Jones at 13, Andrew. Um, but he did ask about Marquise Goodwin <laughs> for wide receiver three was released by the 49ers today. Um I, I think if you're taking Marquise Goodwin, like I'm not super into that idea because they already have Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson who are filling the exact same role that Marquise Goodwin would do. To me, like the only receiver that I think would free agent that I think you know you're kind of interested in is somebody that could come in and fill a variety of roles. You know, Curtis Samuel is still out there. I think Curtis Samuel would make a lot of sense in terms of what they're looking for that could fill different things. Um, but I'm not super interested in Marquis Goodwin. Somebody asked about Will Fuller earlier. Um, again, you know, somebody that's injured all the time is not somebody the Chargers should be looking into. Yeah, and he's not even going to play the first eight games. He's suspended. I think he? he's suspended for the first two. Because he already sat yeah, out. I think he already games. sat out games at the end of last. Oh. Okay. I think so. Gotcha. Alex is back. Oh, I don't know. My internet went out for a quick second, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I sort of heard the end of that. Oh, Morgan Fox just signed with the Panthers? That's interesting. That is kind of weird that, you know, we haven't seen any uh, Staley guys come over yet. I mean, I'm, I still think, you know, Troy Hill is, is a, a serious possibility, but it's a little weird that there weren't, like, any Rams holdovers. Like, even the coaching staff. I mean, it was, uh, what's his yeah. name? Joe Barry. That was pretty much it. So, it Maybe he mm-hmm. was just uh, his kind of wanting his own fresh start. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think there's certain things that we overestimated and underestimated. I think, you know, 
the idea of, you know, Leonard Floyd or John Johnson coming was fun, but like, I don't, you know, I don't know how likely that was just because Staley was here. It just depends on the, you know, what Telesco wants to do in free agency mostly. And I'm sure Staley has some input on that. Um, and then the other thing is, I think we underestimated just how much change there would be a little bit, um, with, uh, all the uh, contracts that were given out and Perriman leaving and Vigil leaving and Henry leaving. Um, I, I didn't quite expect that much change. Someone says maybe Staley thinks they stunk. <laughs> no, seriously, it's I was possible, thinking. I mean, yeah. Look, Staley was at the Rams, but for a year. It's not like right. You know, he was super, super committed to them for so long. So, I mean, again, most of these guys aren't really highly touted, well, except for you know Donald and Floyd and whatnot. Yeah. But they weren't like Troy Hill is not like an elite, you know, talent. Well, they, I mean, he is, but not elite. But I mean, it's not like he was brought in up to the Rams as an elite talent or, you know, John Johnson was about a third round pick. So maybe he just thinks he can, you know, get it done with other guys. Yeah. Um, and like, that's the thing we've seen more, honestly, tangible connections to Staley's Denver days than we've seen Staley, uh, tangible connections yeah. to his Rams days. Right. Um, you know, obviously that would come this year, but you know, I think it's just Staley's going to pick the players he wants and he watches tape. I'm sure on the, the whole rest of the NFL, so, um, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm sure he uh, has his guys that he likes, both former Rams, former Broncos, and, and not that also. I'm just seeing now that the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals offered Kenny Galladay a one-year prove-it type of deal. That's interesting. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's bold. Oh, man. Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, if it works, it works. Yeah, talk about a team that's not really doing anything. Like, I mean, they signed a bunch of defensive players, but... The defense wasn't the problem. The offensive line was the problem. So uh, I'm a little confused about that. So, um, all right. I'm interested to see how uh, AJ Green does in Arizona. I think that's actually a pretty good signing. Like, (laughs) it was kind of weird to see that move come from the Cardinals because, like, that AJ Green, like, veteran type move, that feels like such a Belichick kind of move. And Belichick, meanwhile, is spending $13 million on (laughs) Nelson Aguilar. Um, so it was just, uh, it was really weird to see that move come from like the Cardinals and not, you know, uh, a Patriots type thing. Yeah. So why are people talking about Josh Oliver and the, or Ed, uh, Josh Oliver got traded from the Jaguars to the Ravens conditional draft pick. Oh, I don't know who that is. Yeah. Never heard of him. 2019 third rounder. I, I thought what rogue, uh, tiefling was saying that they were talking about the political TV guy. <laughs> oh, John Oliver. John, John Oliver. Oliver. Okay, that's what yeah. I was talking about. Okay. Oh, uh, Matt Prater has signed with the Cardinals. Oh, interesting. Okay, I would have, I would have it, liked it him on the Chargers, to be honest. Well, you can't bring him in for a kicking competition now, so no. it's just going to be Viscaino and Badgley for now. <laughs> yeah. All right. So somebody asked about Juju as well. Um, I think that's kind of how I'll wrap it up. No, yeah, that's <laughs> that was quick, Tyler. <laughs> I like um, like I said I I feel like they need somebody who does like a variety of roles right you know they don't need a slot guy which is what Juju is because they have Keenan Allen who can do that and they like working Jalen Guyton in the slot so I think you know to me you know I I just think it makes too much sense to draft a rookie I'm not super interested in paying yeah. another wide receiver right because you have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams with really high cap hits and then what you add Juju for twelve million dollars and you have you know, $33 million tied into the receiver group. I'm just not, or that'd be 43. Actually, I can do math. Um, I'm just not super interested in that. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe in a theoretical world where they cut Mike Williams, like, for some reason people thought they were going to do today, but right. not, not even that. Like, in, in that situation, I'd rather have Kenny Galladay than, than Juju, if we're yeah. talking about replacing Mike Williams. Um, I, I just think, I, I like Juju, I think he's a great route runner, but you already have your top two receivers on this team for this year, uh, and you fill out the rest of the holes later. Um, that's, that's what you do with receiver. You can either draft a receiver third, fourth, fifth round, if you want to do that. Um, or you sign, you know, sort of a high upside, you know, low buy guy. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that's what you do, but you know, spending big money on Juju Smith Schuster, uh, I just don't really see the point in it. If the entire market can drive down the price of Juju, perhaps, um, he certainly would be an upgrade of wide receiver three, but you know, the entire, most of the NFL, like we're kind of laughing at the Patriots for signing a bunch of, you know, randos or <laughs> overpaying for Nelson Aguilar. And, you know, the rest of the NFL, as a, a couple of you know reporters are saying, they're saying, nah, like they're, nobody's calling these wide receivers. Yeah. And that's largely because of the draft they're about to go into. And so if the rest of the NFL is not signing these receivers, clearly they view the strength of the draft or part of it being wide receiver. So why not? Why, why be the person that you know, spends a bunch of money on receivers. Don't, you're not smarter by doing, you know, what everybody else isn't doing, you know, wait for your receiver. And there, there's going to be plenty of them. I would have liked, you know, like a cheap flyer on somebody. Like I think, you know, Kendrick Bourne at a more reasonable price than what he actually signed for would have made some sense. (laughs) Um, But I'm just, I'm not super interested in paying a receiver when you have, like I said, these two, you know, expensive receivers. So somebody said, nobody wants a TikToker. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I just think you, the, the money that the Chargers have would be better spent elsewhere. You know, I, like we said, you know, they need a secondary piece. They probably need an edge rusher. They need another interior offensive lineman. Um, so I just think that that would make sense. Um, Zach, I see you with the Jamin Davis conversation, man. I, I honestly have not gotten to the linebackers yet. Uh, and my rewatch on my rewatch outside of like the big three, um, but I think rotating Jamin Davis at Murray at linebacker or at edge and linebacker wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. I think you keep those two off the ball and take advantage of that athleticism. But I see you just breaking to news. Breaking news. Uh, Houston has made a trade. Uh, PJ Tucker to Milwaukee. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good trade though man i mean i knew that was bullshit the second you opened your that's mouth that's a good but... trade that is actually yeah. a really good trade for the for the milwaukee bucks i like that trade a lot um all right so we will make sure and keep you guys posted about when we are doing the jersey giveaway but like i said if you already typed the name in then we have your entry and, and we will keep you guys posted so thank you for tuning in guys any other thoughts before we wrap up today yeah, I actually have a thought. Uh, I saw this on Twitter. I saw this people commenting it. It's like uh, the common thought has been, why is Telesco waiting to make moves um, both on Twitter and in the chat? And it's like, um, I don't know. I mean, is this who he is? Telesco just. Yeah, well, he waits. But Telesco just signed Corey Lindsley to a five year, sixty three yeah. million dollar deal. Like that was a move we all wanted. Um, that was what we were kind of waiting for. He just signed another yeah. offensive lineman in Filer, and he resigned Michael Davis. Like, he's not going, you know, <laughs> super slow, in my opinion. Um, you know, he's waited a couple days, but a lot of the free agency has kind of been slow the last two days. I mean, in comparison to how it was on Monday. So I don't think he's actually been missing out on too much, in a way. Um, and then the other thing I would say is, you know, 
like moving a lot in free agency and making a lot of moves is fun. Uh, I'm sure you would see an uptick in podcast downloads and we would see that and we would see uh, an uptick in, you know, whatever articles we're writing and how many clicks they get. But, you know, as we've seen, like dumb money has been spent in free agency. And yeah. personally, like, I, I think the Patriots are kind of the team that's spending dumb money um, right now that might come back to bite them at some point. So I just think sometimes you have to look at free agency a little bit slower. And there's still a lot of quality guys on the board that the Chargers yeah. can sign. Yeah, and I'm actually kind of surprised to see Lewis Riddick give the Patriots so much props for spending this money. Granted, I do think the tight ends will fit their system. If they want to run that two tight end system, that's fine. I just think overpaying for a bunch of other receivers and a couple other players is not the route to go at all. Um, you know, as far as waiting, it's fine. Be patient. Yesterday, we didn't know that a Dory Jackson was going to that's be true. available. Yeah. He is now. Today, we find out that Fuller from the Bears is going to potentially be available. I mean, he is now. You know, like we know that now. So the longer we wait, the more cap you accumulate, or not accumulate, but don't spend. Um, the more you can pounce on some of these guys. And if you can, and the other thing is, maybe they don't really view the Chargers. The Chargers don't view themselves as contenders this year. They shouldn't. Of course, your goal is to win, but there, there's not like a win now sort of thing. I really think if they're going to make, you know, that trade for Orlando Brown one day, granted it won't be Orlando Brown, or, you know, to take, you know, sign a bunch of really expensive free agents or have the really good players sign on your really good team, that's not till next year. And so I think, you know, they'll do enough, build the team. It's going to take some years for Staley to get his guys. Clearly, he has a fingerprint on this team, or he wants to put his fingerprint on the team. So, you know, it'll take some time. So they, I don't think they're really going to do a whole lot from here on out. Just be patient yeah. and trust that the staff will get things done. Uh, someone asked us for a record prediction. It's March. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> we don't um, even know how many games they'll be playing next year. They might be playing 16 games. They might yeah, be playing true. 17 games. I don't even know the order of the schedule. Yeah. Wait till like May. When we have no content. Yes. Yeah. So here, here, here's yeah. how I'm going to wrap this up because I've been spending all day watching Packers film. The Chargers just signed the best center in the league. Like I am firmly confident in saying that. Like this, it was such a big upgrade for the Chargers. Like the Tom Telesco has not done nothing, right? Like he signed the best center in the league. And I think that's going to be a huge upgrade. Matt Filer is going to be a big upgrade. And they, they checked their three biggest boxes. We knew that they needed to sign two starting caliber offensive linemen, and they did that. Mm-hmm. We knew that one of those offensive linemen had to be an elite option, and they did that. And we knew that they had to re-sign Michael Davis, and they did that. So I understand. I would love to sit here and be talking about more things today. I would have loved that. But I think people who are frustrated at the lack of moves don't really understand how good Corey Lindsley is going to be for this team. And obviously he has to stay healthy. He has to be on the field, but if he stays on the field and he plays all five years, he will easily be the best free agent signing of Tom Telesco's tenure. And so yeah. and, go ahead, Alex. Oh, I was just going to oh, yeah, say the other thing is like Telesco has always been one of these people that like kind of deals in the darkness and he yeah. doesn't really like say anything to anyone. Right. So like when you see these NFL reporters, like, tweeting stuff it's usually like the chargers just come in at the last minute and then they do something right right before they sign yeah. a guy like we saw that with Corey lindsley yeah. right like we knew that we thought they would be interested but we really received no confirmation that they were interested in Corey lindsley till 10 minutes before he decided to sign <laughs> like that's that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing that we're talking about and 
The other one, I, I guess, is, you know, like Chris Harris last year. Like, no one had any, you know, idea yeah. Chris Harris was going to sign with the Chargers. Then he's in consideration with the Raiders and the Eagles, and he picks the Chargers, right? Um, I just think uh, Tom Telesco's kind of always been like that, uh, and the Chargers as a franchise have been like that to the point where you don't really know what they're going to do, and they'll let you know when they let you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd, I'd much rather be, you know, the Chargers or a Chargers fan finding out when I find out then be the Bears oh, thinking that they were in play for Russell Wilson <laughs> and they get a notification about Andy Dalton. Like, I'd rather just not know what, what I was, what we were hoping to get and just, you know, find out what we do get because they were like, yeah, Russell Wilson. And then Andy Dalton. I mean, how deflating is yeah. that? You can't even look forward to your season and it's March, you know, and that's just for not getting somebody. And so I would rather kind of be. Ignorance hey, is man, bliss. not just Russell Wilson. They thought they were getting Trent Williams, too, man. Like, they thought they were getting the best left tackle oh. and the, one of the top three quarterbacks in the league, and they ended up with Jermaine Fetty and Andy Dalton. <laughs> so uh, I, I just oh, think man. people are, are really underrating, you know, how good Corey Lindsley is right now. Uh, I'm going to do a film breakdown on him. That should be posting in the next couple of days. Uh, I just – I've been so, so impressed with – the way that he plays football and what he's going to bring to this team and be able to handle all of the communication errors that have been plaguing the Chargers offensive line for the last four years. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, that's going to do it for us guys. Like I said, if you comment to the name, we will be able to uh, you know get your entry in for the Jersey entry and then we'll keep you guys posted there. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been great. It's been an hour and 15 minutes. I think that was about 20 minutes longer than I thought our last one was. Uh, so thank you for tuning in and we'll see you guys next time. See ya. Bye. All right. Should we stop the, um, yeah, stop the audacity on three, Hmm? two, one. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.